I'm Martin Reeves, Chairman of the BCG Henderson Institute, and I'm joined today for our Insights podcast by Jürgen V. Knutstrup, Chairman of the LEGO Brand Group, which oversees all LEGO brand assets, including building blocks, theme parks, entertainment, and education. And we'll be talking about lessons from leading through the COVID crisis. Welcome, Jürgen. Thank you very much. So, Jan, let's start with the reactive measures. When the crisis first hit, what were some of the creative or interesting measures that you applied that you think may be interesting for other leaders? Well, I think we probably quickly got around what most people would focus on, which is priority. One is our people and then our partners and customers, including suppliers and business partners, and ensuring continuity, health, and then also increasingly focused on financial liquidity. I think where I have been most amazed with the creativity in the response has been among our colleagues who have developed very interesting ways of staying in touch and redirecting funding and activities such as marketing launches, uh, shifting sales more to online, and also how we can run campaigns for families staying at home. We have launched a local campaign called Let's Build Together. And recently in the UK, we're helping the government produce a video for children on how they can be heroes in fighting COVID. And then we have launched through our Lego Foundation a $50 million donation across a variety of our partnerships, including Education Cannot Wait. And in our manufacturing sites, our engineers have started producing VCS for protection of health workers. So not surprising that there are some uh, creative moves from the Lego company. I'm sure it's been challenging on some dimensions, though. What are the really biggest challenges that you faced as a leader in dealing with the crisis? I, I think the biggest challenges for us, honestly, has been really to get to terms with the situation quickly enough, beating myself up, asking what on earth were we doing in February whilst we were already dealing with this situation in China. We were slow in recognizing this would be a European and a North American, in fact, a global phenomena. And I think even now, where we are six weeks in, we are still struggling on a weekly basis with uh, keeping up with the developments within the health side of the question and on the other side, the economic question. And of course, from a business perspective, those businesses where they really rely on people being physically together have been the most challenged education, retail, hospitality, and location-based entertainment. Yeah, the speed of the spread of the virus and the inability of organizations to keep up with that speed is a common theme in my conversations. What, what have you done to make sure that the organization is moving fast enough against these very fast developing crises? So I think where we moved relatively quickly was establishing crisis management teams within each of our organizations, and they cover... Uh, issues such as staying connected and the safety of people and customers. Where we have struggled more is adjusting ourselves to really uh, imagining working in a more recessionary environment and in particular getting our hands around how fast the economy is unraveling and how difficult it will be to reopen certain things. We now need to be very imaginative on how we might be able to open a theme park again because it is unlikely that one day authorities will simply say, why don't you just open it as you had intended to do two months ago? And in fact, I think we cannot expect governments to know how we should do it. We should be coming forth with suggestions of how that might happen, just like we need to come forward with ideas of how schools might be able to improve the quality of the online education they're already offering through our existing legal education offerings. 
I'm glad that you mentioned imagination because um, that's often the first victim of a crisis. We've been mainly talking about reactionary measures, and I think most companies are doing some of those things, but there is recession, as you mentioned, there's preparing for rebound, and then there's reimagination for a post-COVID world. What are some of the things you're thinking about in relation to reimagining your business for this new reality? First of all, I think I, I should stress, of course, also we are working from an owner's perspective in the Lego Brand Group, and I fully recognize what you're saying. And I think even as an owner or, let's say, as a board of directors, you need to be respectful that the management team really have their hands full in reacting to the situation, and in particular, a situation of which our interpretation changes, if not on a daily basis, then definitely on a weekly basis. Having said that, it is important that you start focusing in some energy, at least in a smaller team, on how to rebound and imagine, reimagine your own future. And so a small group of us have started this work over the past week only. So I think we're certainly not ahead of the game, but we're quickly trying to catch up. And we are doing two things there. One is sort of we're really trying to generate insights about the situation. So how should we interpret it? Where, where are the different countries in the world? What sort of solutions are being proposed? The other element is how do we think ahead? What do we need to imagine might happen next week or next month? And that covers issues like how do we reopen the business? How do we manage liquidity longer term? What role should we play in bringing society back? Should we even make a profit this year? Should we pay a dividend? How do we stand by our purpose? And also, where are our biggest vulnerabilities? And also, of course, where might there be some exciting new opportunities for us? And then I would mention a, a final thing, which is cybersecurity is a great example of what are some of the secondary effects we also need to think in from this, you know, given many people working from home, there's an increased uh, cybersecurity risk at the moment. So the Lego brand, of course, compared to most other brands, really stands for imagination and play. You know, in the context of a humanitarian crisis, they, they may sound like frivolous luxuries. I believe that imagination has a huge role to play in a crisis. What would be your view on that? Absolutely. And I think we talk a lot about generating uh, resilience in this situation. And probably many of us are finding that we have perhaps been a bit too much focused on optimization and efficiency over creating some redundancy and readiness for, for a crisis. And so resilience comes to, to mind. And of course, resilience is structurally, for instance, looking at a supply chain and looking at supply models. But it's also, I would say, a culture and mentality that requires the ability to work more horizontally, to have teams that are really good at self-correcting, who are really good at, at the one hand being disciplined, but at the same time demonstrating high levels of creativity and energy, and, and also making themselves accountable, including accountable for what I would say call entertaining the inconceivable, using your imagination to imagine what could go terribly wrong, but of course also what could be a, a terrific opportunity. And I'm very proud to see in some of our teams around the world uh, really demonstrating that. And I do feel that in that we're perhaps harvesting the benefits of a very purpose-driven culture. I think we are also harvesting the benefit of having done no layoffs. We are very dedicated to our staff, and we are trying at all costs to avoid doing any layoffs. And I think that does generate a lot of team spirit in the organization. They know the owners stand by them. 
And and then finally, I think we went through quite a bit of a survival crisis almost uh, 15 years ago, and we'll probably still uh, have some of that sitting in in our soul. We probably remember our own financial crisis more so than the global one that happened 12 years ago. You mentioned the word opportunity there. Um, Typically in a crisis, we may trying to limit damage, mitigate damage, but usually eventually there is some opportunity for somebody in a crisis. Are you already seeing hints of opportunities, things that could be better for the Lego brand as a result of the crisis? We are definitely, uh, again, it varies, of course, by business. But for instance, in the toy business, we're seeing a massive pickup in online. We're seeing people very interested in our products, but they are now buying increasingly online. And I think this will lead us to even more aggressively dial up our technology roadmap investments and digitalization of our channels and our ways of engaging with consumers. We will also invest more aggressively in creating resilience in our global supply operations. Uh, We will dial up uh, digital education models. And through our venturing activities, we will invest more in in online education, in, in edtech, and not least in gaming, because, of course, gaming is, is one of those industries that has hardly been impacted by the COVID crisis for, for obvious reasons. So we do think that in all of that, there are pointers going in the direction of where we should see opportunity in the future. And we also think and are recently co-signing a letter to the European Commission that this crisis should be used as an opportunity to strengthen commitment to sustainability. Yes, I was going to ask you what happens to the carbon agenda, because, of course, everybody made enormous efforts in the international community to reduce the carbon footprint. And, you know, we've conspicuously failed to do that. But now we've accidentally improved it uh, as a fortuitous side benefit of this crisis. Did we just go back to normal or do you think there'll be a spirit of trying to lock in the, uh, the, the gains somehow? Where do you see the carbon agenda moving? So I think there will be both uh, things happening at the micro and macro level there. You know, in the micro level, we are starting as an organization to really track individual CO2 uh, footprint by introducing almost like a sort of carbon tax and definitely keeping track of how people travel. And I think people will now learn that they can get work done without traveling so much. So I'm sure we will be flying and traveling less post this as individual employees of the companies. In addition, I think the consumer sentiment will be if we can spend this kind of money on getting the world right post a COVID crisis, surely we can spend money on adjusting our economies and societies to a more sustainable model as well. I simply think it will be impossible for companies and governments to suggest that adjustment to climate change is unaffordable. That does not mean everything is affordable, but that the most attractive adjustments uh, should start taking place. You're hinting there at some maybe elements of a very different reality. Obviously, there are specific shifts in, in demands and behaviors, but what would be your big picture of some ways in which the post-COVID world could be fundamentally different? Because, of course, history teaches us that sometimes we don't learn from history, but sometimes... There are profound social shifts as a result of uh, social crises. Do you, do you have a picture of the, of the new world that we'll be living in in one, two, three years' time? I don't have a clear picture at this point in time, but I do think that there are, of course, two types of mistake here. One is the mistake of assuming everything will return to where it was before. It will not. 
But the other mistake would be to say that everything changes. That's, of course, the simple answer. I think some things will change, like the mentioned shift to more online business is is for sure going to stay. I do think we will see the the climate effect as well being dialed up. It It was already building a lot of momentum. And then we'll probably see some innovations that I can't think of at this point in time, but that we will relate back to this situation. So I certainly think that the world will be different in some important ways, but we must also be mindful of what does not change. And I think many of us probably now are reminded also of the importance of social time together, of as colleagues getting together in a room to solve problems, because we are really feeling the the pain of that. I also hear many parents saying, I have never been so grateful for my children's teachers. Now I understand what they must endure on a daily basis. So we might be more grateful for, for education systems going forward. So I think that those are some of the types of effects we will see. I also expect that just like we saw after the financial crisis, a bit of a pushback against the world of banking, I think this time around, we will see a bit of a pushback on relentless optimization of economic profits. I think there will be a push for uh, companies continuing to be good citizens and delivering on purpose and not just optimizing the financial bottom line because society needs that and it's being demonstrated now. And I think consumers and and citizens will root uh, for, for those kind of companies but also for governments that take that responsibility. I think we have been too ignorant of the pandemic risk. And I think, unfortunately, as far as I've been told, the COVID risk is not even the biggest pandemic risk we may face as a, as a humanity. Just to pick up on one theme there, um, in a sense, we're at war and at war with the virus and its consequences. Wartime conditions can bring people together, you know, collective spirit. But also there are some good arguments as to how it could divide us. The resilience argument, I think, is a a reasonably scientific one. But of course, part of resilience may be more local manufacture, less global interdependence. And, you know, one can imagine that spilling over into isolationism, nationalism, maybe a gulf between citizens that have lost their jobs and them observing, you know, massive cash injections to big corporations and so on. It could divide citizens and governments. It's an imponderable, but do you see this crisis bringing us together or driving us apart? The way I would think about it is that it is an inflection point in that direction. We, On the negative side, we've certainly seen what would appear, at least at surface level, from what we can observe from outside in, a increased tension between the U.S. government and Chinese authorities regarding who's re- accountable, responsible for this situation arising in the first place. We've also seen American unilateralism versus multilateralism play out, as we have seen it in recent years. But at the same time, I was very encouraged by the EU just yesterday finally reaching agreement on supporting Southern Europe with with a sort of corona bond arrangement. Uh, Of course, EU leaders have been reluctant to provide, let's say, bottomless collateral for debt incurred by the less wealthy European nations. But at the same time, I think there has been sort of a typical post-war spirit in really rebuilding the continent after this economic disaster. And I think the, the, the voices of multinational effort eventually won in the EU discussion. And so I'm very encouraged by that. And I think those forces 
will also be strong in, in Asia Pacific and, and even in North America, because as you say, this wartime situation will bring most governments together around a sense of we need to collectively work together to fight this global threat. Finally, Jan, some parts of the world are seeing this crisis more stringently than others. What advice would you have for leaders, perhaps that are in the middle of this reactionary phase, travel policies and supply chain optimization and thinking about what to do next? What would you emphasize the really important priorities for leaders? Well, I think, first of all, they, they should focus on those five core things you just outlined there. That That is essential to keep the, the integrity of their organization and business. And, and fortunately, I see it done uh, really well all around. I would encourage organizations to consider 2020 as a year that's kind of gone already from a profit perspective. Of course, some companies don't even have the benefit of having an, a positive outlook to making a profit. And they are, of course, uh, needing to really tighten how they run their ship and, and think about hibernating towards 2021. But I do think many other companies need to take forward-looking statements, such as what, for instance, Starbucks has done in North America in promising to pay their staff for several months, regardless of whether they do want to come to work or not. Those kind of forward-looking investments into workforce, into society, into the business, the funds required to reinvest for the future, I think companies will be so much better in saying, okay, 2020 was really a shift and we did not produce a profit. We didn't pay out dividends. It was There was no big returns to, to shareholders or management. However, we took the right long-term steps in order to get out in an accelerating way into 2021 and beyond. Well, thank you so much, John, for spending time with us today and sharing your lessons on leading through the COVID crisis. I'm sure this will be very valuable to other leaders. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. It was my pleasure. Thank you.